Oliver from Rugby League, in my opinion, here. And today I'm chatting with a man who has played over 100 games in the Super League, played over 20 times for his native Wales. He has been an Australian boxing champion. He's owned his own university. What else has he done? He is also the current assistant coach at the Central Queensland Capras. He's done a lot. You're going to have to tune in and listen to this interview with Ian Willie Webster. Hey, man. Hey, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Well, we've got a, a fair bit to talk about today. You have had an amazing career thus far in multiple different areas, so I'm keen to get into it. Um, first of all, I want to I want to start off sort of in, in your younger years. Were you always a rugby league fan growing up? Um, yeah, I'll, I use the term I was dragged up, I wasn't brought up. Um, <laughs> when yeah. I'm talking about my life, uh, yeah. So, mate, I, I played rugby league from the age of six, five, five, six. However. <clears throat> Outside of rugby league, I had my own friends, my own set of um, yeah. family and friends. So it was always uh, living two lives kind of in parallel at that stage, all the way, even throughout my teen years and probably even even throughout my Super League days. I was always at training. My rugby life and my um, personal life always stayed separate. Yeah, nice. Well, you've actually start, I guess, your professional rugby league career quite young. Am mm. I right in believing that you'd sign your first contract at 13? Ooh. I, th- either f- I think it might have been 13 or 14 when I first signed for St. Helens. Um, right. But even before that, I'd signed like a scholarship from 9, 10, 11. Right. Um, so, but in terms of actual um, professional payments, yeah, signed at 13. And all of that money was kind of bottled up, and I got access to it once I was sixteen. Okay, so were you playing for the academy side during that time from thirteen onwards? Like, what what were you yeah. actually doing? Um, so th- there was like um, satellite academies, um, and I think by the time I was maybe fourteen, fifteen, I was playing in the under sixteens team. Um, right. By the time I was fifteen, I was playing in the under nineteens team. And then, like, by the time I was 16, 17, I was with the top squad and I played Super League pretty early as well. So, but things have changed now. There's a lot more, a lot more focus on player welfare, making sure the kid's ready. Like we see this week with um, with the Roosters kid, is it? What's his name? Uh, Joseph Sawali. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, we were talking on the Willie Webster show the other night on our, our show, NRL News, which uh, NRL Noise, sorry, which we'll get to soon. But you were yep. saying how you actually made your debut for the Saints at, was it 17 and nine months, something yeah. like that? What, what was that like, making your, your Super League debut for one of the, I wouldn't just say one of the biggest English rugby league clubs, I'd go out and say one of the biggest rugby league clubs, period. Like, what was that like? Yeah, it was it was a dream come true for me. It was obviously being from the area, growing up in the area, um, having all my family in the area. It is it's a big part of life and the culture there. Um, 
So I get into actually, you know, play Super League for that team was a dream come true. But what made it extra special was in my debut, um, I got to play half back against one of my idols from my teenage years, which was Stacey Jones. He was at Catalans. So oh, yeah. we played Catalans in Catalans. Um and it was quite funny the way that the game finished was we were drawing with about three minutes left and we had a scrum under our sticks and Stacey Jones took the ball off I think I'm sure it was off me one on one from the scrum and scored and beat us okay <laughs> from what I believe from what I remember wow, what a, I've had a lot of sleep since then yeah what a debut I'll tell hmm. you what well uh, you wouldn't just stay at St. Uh, in Super League you would eventually move first to the Witness Vikings, mate. What was mm. it like? What, what was it like playing for the Vikings? And w- why did this move come about? Why did you have to leave St. Helens? Yeah. So there's a couple of reasons for leaving. Um, the first one was I got in a bit of trouble and um, <clears throat> in in the nightclubs in town, and, and I had a chat with Daniel Anderson, and he kind of said, "Look, it might be time for you to go somewhere else." Just move away from home or whatever and after that reason there was another reason of well I was behind Kieran Cunningham was the first choice hooker and Paul Sculthorpe was the first choice lock and then behind those two you had um, Shane Hooper and James Roby and then behind those two you had Scott Moore myself um and about seven other locks that all went on to play for different Super League clubs as well. So it was just best for me. I didn't want to go and spend more time in the 21s for three or four more years when I could be, you know, playing at the top level just at a different club. And, and Widness was only a 20-minute drive for me from where I lived in St. Helens, so I didn't have to leave home and, you know, got to stay where I was uh, and still play for another iconic club as well. So I ended up playing... I think I played 40 games for, for Witness, but maybe around 42. Yeah. And yeah, mate, that was the probably the second best football year in my life. I scored a lot of tries and played a lot of football. Um, got to play with a lot of really cool people like uh, Mick Cassidy and Dennis Moran. Um, some legends. We got to... We won the Northern Rail Cup. We won that one in Blackpool that year. Um, and that was a pretty pretty big win. I think we beat the... We won the final by about 40 points. It was a massive game. And then we got to the grand final that year and we ended up getting beat by Castleford, um, which was quite hard to take. And after we lost the grand final to Castleford, the, the next day, while we're all out on Mad Monday, the club went into liquidation. So oh, right. we all found ourselves... Yeah. So we all found ourselves on Mad Monday... We, with no club, so um, that was the day I, I signed for Celtic Crusaders. Then on on the Mad Monday over the phone through my manager. Yeah, well, tell us about your time at the Crusaders because uh, nowadays they're not the Celtic Crusaders anymore. I believe South Wales Crusaders, and they're in uh-huh. League One. But I believe when you were playing for them, they were actually in Super League. So. Yeah, mate. What what was that like playing for the Crusaders? Uh, of course, a, a Welsh team. Uh, yeah, what what was the experience like? And I, I take it, was that your most, I guess, enjoyable period playing in England? Yes. 100%. So that was my 
<clears throat> that was my best year of football and also probably the best year of my life as well. Yeah. Um, I got to meet a lot of special people there, the coach, John Dixon, Anthony Seabold. Um, and then I got to play with some special people. One of my best friends now, Josh Hannay. Um, a lot of really good footballers, Jace Van Dyke, Benny Flower. Um, they're just a couple of names off the top of my head. But it was a special year, and what made it special was it, it wasn't a hotbed for rugby league back then down in, in South Wales. So um, everybody that, that was at the team, we all moved from somewhere. So we were all in the same boat and it really brought us close together like a family. Yeah. And the other part that was really good about that was because we was the new franchise team, we got Thursday games every week for Sky Sports. Right. So, so, so imagine being a full-time footballer down in South Wales where it's pretty much the best nightlife in the world and getting Friday, Saturday, Sunday off weekly. It was just, it was the time of my life. And I was 19 years old, so. Yeah, well, I was going to bring <laughs> up, like, all, everything we've been talking about right now, it's taken place, like, while you're still quite young, as you just said, 19 years old. Yeah. I believe as well, you had played, what was it, 20 games for Wales before you turned 21 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. You played a lot of games yeah. for Wales. What was that like uh, representing your country? And I guess as well, you played in a couple World Cups. What was that like? Yeah. So actually, the first time I played for Wales, I was 17. Um, and that was in Bridgend against Papua New Guinea. So yeah, as you can imagine, oh, okay. really good game to, to play at 17 against some of the toughest men in the world. But luckily, it was quite cold in South Wales, though, and very heavy pitch. So it was good for us. We beat them by, I think it was like 50 points to four or something in the end. Um, and following that, in that little circular, um, circle of games, there, I think they were World Cup qualifiers. We Something that we speak about quite often, and if you go back and listen to my, um, my podcast with our captain, then Lee Breers, so one of our biggest regrets as a as a group of players was we just spent about four weeks in pubs having fun, um, making the most of what we were doing, and and we ended up throwing our last qualifier away against Lebanon. I don't know how they beat us because they shouldn't have, and that cost us all the trip to I think it was the two thousand and seven World Cup. Oh uh, wait. Oh wait. So that was two thousand and seven. Sorry. So that cost us all a trip to Australia. Um, for the 2008 World Cup. So it was the biggest regret I've ha- I ha- still carry now. But in the back of my mind, it was like, oh, well, I'd already signed um, over here for the next year anyway. So <laughs> yeah. selfish, selfishly, um, yeah, I didn't care. Well, as you just uh, alluded to, you would then move over to Australia. Uh, did you go straight to central Queensland and start playing for them or was, it, yeah, was so, it the Broncos system? So the Bronx, yeah. Yeah, so John Dixon and Anthony Siebold were my coaches over in the UK and they were still really good friends with um, Scotty Minto from the Bronx. Yeah. So anyway, I'd ended up signing and, and the, the Broncos had sponsored me to come over. and I did like six weeks at the Bronx pre-season um, and flew up to... Rockhampton and then 
I just I just really really liked it here in Rockhampton when I got here and never left. I did a couple more pre seasons with the Broncos, but then just flying back and forth from Rockhampton. Yeah, well, I believe that your time at at the Broncos in in that pre season training camp uh, wasn't the most enjoyable time. I believe nah. you told a story a couple of weeks ago when we were on the on NRL Noise for the Willie Webster show that Ivan Henjack. Uh, at the time, didn't <laughs> even care to learn your name. You know, maybe a bit of that. Uh, do you believe that? And nor should he. And not look, nor should he. Um, you know, like you got back then, they had Darren Lockyer, Petrol, Seven Receiver. The the Broncos was a genuinely I, I know, stacked yeah. team. So, and yeah. I don't say I only say that in light heart. I don't say it as in you know I, I deserve more attention or anything like that. I definitely don't believe that's true. Um, I have a funny story, actually. Yeah. I remember the first day at Bronx training. And so Ivan um, just said to me, fill in a hooker, PJ. PJ was injured or something. I wasn't training. So he just told me to fill in a hooker. And all I could hear from behind me was Lockyer shouting Webby. So from me, from my point of view, I'm like, holy shit. That's probably one of the best players that's ever played the game, you know, shouting for my name for me to pass in the ball. So anyway, I just kept hitting it. Every time he shouted Webby, I just hit him, hit yeah. him straight on the chest. Really good part. Like throwing the ball probably 30 metres to hit him, cutting about three people out, which was the problem in the end. Because yeah. what he was what he was meaning by Webby was it was a, a shape that they used to set up that oh. Shane Webke had started. So that was the shape was Webby because it was started by Shane Webkey. So my job was actually to pass the ball to Petrol or Sam Friday and they were going to run to the line and, and hit Lockyer out the back. Right, yeah. But I'd been missing all those guys also just hitting Lockyer on the chest. So about the fourth time it happened, uh, Petrol, I knew, I'd already knew Petrol anyway. He pulled me aside and said, hey, mate, uh, when he shouts Webby, just hit me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's my name. I thought he was asking me for the ball. He's like, no, that's not for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit embarrassing. You'd think after the first the first time you hit Lockyer instead of seven receiver, they would have pulled you up on it and actually explained it to you. But what was it, three or four no. times you said? Yeah. It was on the fourth one. No, well, mate, you give Lockyer any ball, he's going to make it look good. So it didn't sure. really show. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so, uh, like, I guess other than that, you know, the the whole Henjack thing, not learning your name, which you said, you know, it was a bit lighthearted. But to me, it's like he should at least learn your name. Do you feel like there was a bit of, I guess, that that stigma sometimes us Aussies can have towards British players coming over to the NRL? Did you ever feel that while you were in that system? I don't believe so, no. Not, not, not personally. No? Um, I don't think it was a personal thing, mate. The reason I say that is, so when I'd already done all the stuff with John Dixon and Scotty Minto and all those guys, it was Wayne Bennett. Ivan wasn't the coach. So there's every chance, in in all fairness to Ivan, there's every chance that he wouldn't have even known while I was there or who I was. He he just might have thought... I was just a Q-Cup player, maybe training, yeah. which I was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, like I said, it's it didn't bother me. I don't I definitely don't hold it personal. Right. Oh, so it's not uncommon, I guess, for a coach to to maybe not not know as much about like a Q-Cup player or something. Because I, I, I just thought personally, like the, the coach would at least, you know, know most of the players 
within that system. That that that's all I was just trying to clear up. I was just trying no, to because yeah. I know you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking yeah. about it. I was like, oh, what what's up with that? Um, Look, he 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 probably would have. Yeah. I'm just. It was. Just, it's probably hyperbole on my part in, when speaking. You know. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah. l- let's talk about y- your time playing for Central Queensland. I bl- believe you played over a hundred games for them as well. Like you had a, a quite a lengthy lengthy yeah. stay at, at the now Central Queensland Capras. I believe were they the Comets to to start yeah. out with when you went there. Yeah. So. Uh, I think 100, 140 games between Capras and Comets. But yeah, mate, the, I, I've really enjoyed my time here in CQ and, like I said, set up family and houses here and stuff. So I've got no intentions of leaving here ever now. Um, my first year was it was a really good year. It was the Comets then. Yeah. Um, we got to the prelim final um, and we got beaten by Northern Pride down at Cougary uh, in the semi, in the actual prelim final, sorry. But it was a great year. We had a run of about fourteen unbeaten games, and yeah, just a really good team. We had obviously PJ Marsh, Dave Taylor, uh, Maddie Singh came back and played that year. Right, uh, yeah. Guy Williams, myself, Aaron Summers, and then obviously Timmy Glasby's a couple of lads that actually went on to play afterwards. They were really young then, yeah. so we had a really good team. Cameron Munster a couple of years later. Yeah, nice. So uh, after your time playing for the Capras as well, I believe you spent a bit of time uh, working on the Central Queensland expansion bid. Uh, what what yeah. what was your role there, and how was your experience? So my role was a business and development manager um, for the CQNRL bid. Yeah, and um, I, I really I still look back on it with fond memories. I do wish. <clears throat> that it would have been taken a bit more seriously from the people in Sydney. Um, I got to see firsthand the money that was ready to be spent with the conglomerates of uh, Real Tintos and, and all the mines around yes. here, BMA. It was it was astonishing. And um, Once the feasibility study had been done on the stadium, mate, the stadium was paid for. It was an absolute work of art. Top-level engineers came in to do it. Um, and it really would have helped this town. And I don't think, um, as you see with the Cowboys, I don't think there would have been a, a struggle for a crowd any week because I know kids that drive in from Longreach nine hours to play a game of football on a weekend, so I'm pretty sure they'd do the same thing for the NRL. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've also uh, owned a, a, a university in the past, or run a university, I should say, Sports Tech, I believe. Um, yeah, how was that experience, and how did that come about? I should ask. Like, what was the the motivation behind uh, getting that started up? Yeah, so it wasn't. Uh, so I don't know if you know who Rod Kafer is, the old Wallaby. Um, I've heard heard of him, but I, I've just not watched too much rugby union. That's all. Yeah. yeah. So him, um, a lady called Rachel Crawford, who's a fantastic businesswoman, and um, they set it up. And it was basically the premise was um, years 11 and 12 school students that are really not for school environments. So let's say um, disadvantaged kids, yeah. low socioeconomic kids, basically kids that the teachers deem unworthy of teachers time yeah. and, and say that they're too difficult to deal with. So what we did, mate, was all around the country, all the way from Cairns, all the way down through through the coast, down to Brisbane, sunny coast, Ipswich, 
we had uh, some academies set up. I think there was like 11 academies in total. And myself, um, Petro, Mick Roberts from the Broncos and, and Redcliffe legend. What we did was we'd set up up and down the coast <clears throat> a rugby league academy right. where we would get all of the high school students that were deemed unworthy of, of school teachers' time or didn't really think that they were supposed to be in there. And we'd bring them in. We'd give them Monday to Friday um, schedule. So how that would look was across the year of being with us, all the two years, whatever it was, they would finish with a diploma in business, two degrees in sports development and health and fitness. In, and that's after year 12, whereas the opposite would be staying in school for those two years and finishing with nothing because you didn't really do, apply yeah. yourself. But what, what we also surrounded it with was all of the study they were doing was on their game. So most of them were rep players or, or going through the systems. One's at Canberra now, Elijah Anderson at the Raiders. Um, and what they would do was, so we'd, we'd put them in the gym in the morning, um, do all their mental well, well-being and fitness, um, getting themselves ready to play. Then we'd go into the classroom after lunch um, do all the work that was, whether it was uh, working on the diploma or the um, sports development or the health and fitness studies, whatever it was. And then after that, we would go out and do some skills on the field. So they were basically full-time football players studying yeah. at that stage. And the, look, the concept really took off. It went <clears throat> viral. We had projected exponential growth across Australia for the, for the year after. Um, but what happened was <clears throat> Careers Australia um, folded over the whole saga with um, Jordan Belfort and what we now know as the corruption that came yeah. with that. Um, and it just made it very difficult for us to access the vet fee help scheme um, or, the, or the hex debt. So, yeah, it was it was sad, mate, but it just had to finish. Um there was really the way that the, the vet fee help system was set up the next year was tailored towards your CQUs or your John Moores or those big institutions. And there was no real uh, play in power for the small businesses. Yeah. Well, from the sounds of it, you guys were doing a lot of good, which like, that's a shame to hear. Like it feels like well, it was all, and it was all based on community work as well, yep. right? So the kids that we had in class, they would go out, and some of the tenants that we'd put together for them was they would all do the refereeing courses that year and referee and volunteer at yep. school games. They would all do um, community work, and we, as the business, every every town that we had set up in we sponsored that um, Q Cup team for around 20 grand as well a year, which is a massive, massive help yep. to those. So it was all based community. Yeah, well, that's awesome to hear. I mean, hopefully, like, something like sports tech can, I guess, be reborn one day in some form because, as I said, like, you guys are doing a lot of... Um, I, I want to transition now to your other sporting career, we could say. You, you're a bit of a, a, a handy boxer. Um, let let me know if I'm hmm. I'm reading these accolades out correctly. So a two, a two time oh, Golden go. Gloves champion, 
and an Australian champion across yeah. across three different weights. I believe twenty heavyweight uh, title. Like you've, that's pretty good. No, I've never oh, won the. Sorry. I never won the heavyweight. I was always yeah. lightweight sorry. and yeah, yeah, and cruiserweight. Yes. Yeah, yeah, mate. What happened was, it was actually born out of. <clears throat> I remember watching like one of those football fight nights and I found it to be a bit disrespectful because yeah. um, I'd always been a boxing fan all of my life and some of my best friends have, have been world champion boxers and I just found the concept of ex-professional footballers or current footballers jumping in the ring and being shit at it. I wouldn't mind if they were good, but being poor and earning a fortune compared to Let's say, for example, Justice Honey, who's been around the world and won everything there is to win, and he can't even get on one of those cards. So I said to myself, so if, if I am going to box, I've got to go back and I'm not just going to do one of those football things. I, yeah. ha- I actually have to respect the sport and go back through the ranks of amateurs. So may I did that, had some really good coaches, and uh, went up to Townsville, won the Golden Gloves at light heavyweight and cruiserweight. And the next year, um, went back up and defended that and went to Melbourne for the Australian titles and won that as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a good couple of years yeah. boxing. Would you, would you ever accept the call-out of one of these ex-NRL players? Because it seems like it, it's becoming oh, yeah, more, more, more frequent. Maybe not even if they called you out specifically but if there was ever an opportunity i should say to take on uh an ex-footballer of your size who you know as you said maybe hasn't gone through the 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 proper training i'll tell you what i'll do i'll i'll go you on better i would i would fight any of them um even current ones all the way up to heavyweight so you Oh, definitely. I'll just need probably six, seven weeks training. So you wouldn't mind taking on a Paul Gallon, someone like that? See, Gal's a bit different. Yes. Now I know Gal. Now, the difference with Gallon and Sonny Bill is they they actually can box. So, and this is where that that wasn't what I was talking about before when I was saying the the ones that kind of disrespect the sports. I was I was more talking around your Hodges and. Yeah, some thigh days or right. you know. And again, no disrespect to those guys. It was just it was just yeah. my take on it. But yeah, hundred percent any Gallon's a bit different. He's too big for me because he can actually box. Um but any of the any of the football lads, probably except for Papali, I believe Papali was a handy oh, boxer okay. as a kid. He'd probably he'd just be too big. Um, but any of the ones that just do it just for the bloody the novelty of saying that they've been able to do it or, or so maybe he, most of those folks who are on the the, the all star the rivals yeah, whatever yeah, it was definitely. a couple couple weeks back or the ex players boxing yeah. yeah oh for sure oh dear it'd be fun I'd even give it I'd give away ten oh. kilos on them easy it's actually I believe I believe my manager spoke to Quade Cooper's manager after he had his um, fight on the Sunnyville show, but um, they knew, obviously, that I'd just won the Australian Amateur um, Championship, so there was no yeah. way they would Well, take I'd it. have to think most most players probably wouldn't take it or they'd be advised 
not to. But I mean, I'd I'd love to see it. I'd love to see you go up against someone. I don't know who in particular, but I, I'd 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 love that purely as well because I'd say it'd probably give give you a bit of like proper exposure that you probably deserve to have based off of these guys. Oh no, nah. mate! Honestly, I'm 34 now. I'm I'm quite happy. And yeah. Never, <laughs> never having to sweat again. To be honest, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I'm just happy to put my feet up and enjoy yeah, my family. Now. Well, uh, before we finish off, we got to touch on on the Willie Webster show uh, every Sunday night during the season. Yeah. We're going to be recording um, a show called NRL Noise together for the Willie Webster Show Network. I yep. guess you could say you obviously being the host and yep. uh, your good friend Ben, uh, Freeloader Freeman, as you like to call him, and me, Ollie the Ollie, <laughs> Ollie the Oracle. <laughs> Oh, Ali. Yeah, of a Sunday. Oh, that's even, I'm not sure if you saw, but the, the other podcasts I'm on, Footy and Froffies, they've even picked up on that as well. So I, I think you, yeah, that's you, awesome. you've got a new moniker for me, a new gimmick. Mate, I think, I think, I think it's hashtag worthy as well. So I might even start that um, with, with the, uh, with the next round of games, but mate, so with yeah. the, with the Willie Webster, with the network. So what I, what I plan to do this year is, um, we're going to live stream. We're going to do a watch along of the last game on a Sunday. Um, so what I'll do with that is I'll just live stream it to Facebook, and people can watch along, and it'll be no sound, so it'll be us talking while the game's on. I wouldn't say commentary because we're, we're as dumb as dog shit, but just just talking along and watching the game together, having a few beers, and then and then like you said, mate, we'll go in and we'll record our. Um, NRL noise straight after the last game where we have a bit of fun but we still yep. get to some of the issues um, Tuesdays I do uh, an interview with a world famous athlete um, or somebody w- within athletics so I've had everything from pastors to doctors, um, jiu-jitsu black belts, boxing champions um, Gallon's oh, okay. brother <laughs> just just a whole like a, a wide range of people and what that is it's just a talk around I just want to get to know people yeah. rather than what they've done. Actually, just trying to get to the bottom of who people are and and what drives them to be successful. Because it's some there's some fascinating stories out there. We just don't get to see them, and and when we do get to see them on the news, it's you know thirty or forty five second clips, and you don't really get to see that person because it's it's quite it's quite daunting having yeah. that flash put in front of your face and asked a question. You just kind of you go to default mode or whatever it is and you give a stupid answer and then you, you always look back and think, geez, I should have said something, you know, half catchy at least where somebody would have listened. So I find that over an hour or an hour and a half, you tend to leave those conversations feeling a bit yeah. better about what was said and not really missing things. A lot like what you're doing here, mate. Like All of these questions could have been put in, into an article in a, a five-sentence blog for each one, but it just I don't think it comes yeah, across. Yeah, definitely same, so. not. Um, and after that, so then, yeah, I'm just going to start doing, I really want to, I really want to start looking back at some vintage stuff. So like, like I said, I remember speaking to you about it the other day, but top five English football players that have played in the NRL and, and then doing a bit of research and a, and a deep dig into some of their lives and what made them special or, you know, best halfback to have ever played the NRL best, whatever. I really want to start putting out some yep. video, um, content, on, on YouTube this year. Um, I don't know if you know, but last year I had a bit of a, a running fight yeah, or a running t- you battle with on YouTube in, in terms of some 
in terms of some censorship. So, um, and it resulted in me making a super, super sarcastic apology video, which they accepted, which I actually, I must share that with you. You'll, you'll find that quite um, humorous. You'll find, you'll find that quite humorous. I'll give you permission as well to share it through throughout all of your listeners, mate. It's so the, the general idea was somebody got me banned. Somebody called YouTube or whatever it was, whatever the avenues are after I had Dr. Sean Baker on, who's a, a carnivore proponent. So he only eats red meat. That's all right. he's lived on for the last 20 years. Anyway, it, it must've offended one of these vegans, but the conversation with YouTube was, we can't tell you who's complained, so we just need to hear an apology. And I'm like, so me being me, I took that as, okay, well, I'm just going to apologize to everybody I've ever offended or anybody I think I could offend in the future and take it or leave it. And, and they... So is that, <laughs> is that on YouTube now? <laughs> Which is... It, it is, mate. What I'm going to do is I, I oh, just okay. have it locked because uh, I just got to... But I'll unlock the link and I'll, yeah, feel free to share it and watch it, mate. It's um, it's quite humorous and I've spoke to a few of the lads that are involved or, or aimed at yeah. it. It's all in tongue-in-cheek. There's nothing serious there. It was more to prove So is that all on the... Um, yeah, is that all you, on the YouTube. Willie Webster Show YouTube channel? Like, where can people find you on YouTube, the Willie Webster Show? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, so on YouTube, I'm on um, the Willie Webster show. I'll just type in Willie Webster, and I think there's a, a picture of my stupid face or, or even one of the logos. Uh, same on Instagram and Twitter. I don't really know how. Uh, that's something I really need to learn is how to use social media. Yeah, uh, good a lot that. of people seem to think I'm pretty good at it just because of the page and that. But honestly, I've still got, yes. I've still got a, a fair bit to learn myself, so I'm with you there. Yeah, it's it's the algorithms, hey. So what what I've found out, Ollie, and something you should probably tell your listeners as well is, it's not even about subscriptions anymore. It's about those reviews. So if people press, just take the time, even the people that are listening to this now, if they just take the time to go back into iTunes or Spotify, and just click those little five stars. It doesn't like it doesn't you don't have to do anything extra, but those reviews they really yeah. there's an algorithm that it reads and it just sends you through the chart. So I was looking the other day and after we got a couple of couple of those um review things happening, like we flew up to like number five in Australia, number five in the UK, number seven in um in the USA. And that's in the sports news category, yeah. not, in, not in the rugby league category. So a massive, massive pool compared to, to the niche market that we actually yeah, speak well, definitely, in. guys, if you're listening, help us out and um, hit five, hit the, the five stars on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Um, and just to reiterate, guys, I think I put out a podcast a couple of weeks ago telling you what my plan was for the year. So basically, we're going to have the usual Tuesday podcast with me and you guys know Cooper, the co-host, and um, that's going to be here rugby league, in my opinion, and hopefully weekly interviews like this one with Willie now as well. But I've also got footy and froffies on Wednesday, which uh, I think a few of you guys would have seen I shared on the Instagram story. But also Sunday night, going to be recording Willie, uh, Freeloader Freeman, and Ollie the Oracle. Um, so that's that's where sort of I guess we're going to, we're going to be touching on more more news topics. I guess you could say at least we have the past couple of weeks um, and just having. I wouldn't say a, a, like a serious discussion, but more, more like a, a casual conversation, just giving our thoughts 
on some news topics throughout the week. So I, I wouldn't say to expect too much news here on, on this pod because that's where you'll be getting all that from me. On the Willie Webster show, we'll be recording on the Sunday, upload on a Monday, next day upload, Willie. Yep, awesome. So stay tuned yep. for that this yep. year of a Monday. Uh, Willie, thank you for jumping on um, and telling your story. As I said, it's been an amazing career. I mean, rugby league player. Boxer. I mean, owner of a, a university. What else have we got? We've got the run, the owner of the the Willie Webster <laughs> Network. I mean, you've done so much. I feel like I've completely forgotten something already. <laughs> yeah, it's a, just this is what you what you've forgotten that you, you always need to remember is when you do say Ollie the Oracle, you've got to give your slogan as well. What he doesn't know about rugby league, you can write on the back of a postage stamp. Don't forget yeah. that part. And that's someone's going to hold it against me when I don't know something, <laughs> so that's going to be good. <laughs> Mate, speak like that's you know it. everything and listen well, like you know Well, I think that's a good place that's to end it. Uh, just once again, Willie, thank you for jumping on and thank you guys for listening at home. Before I end the show today, I just want to give a shout-out to Phil Brown and his website, Mascot Browns. You may have heard a couple of weeks ago in my interview with Phil that Mascot Browns will be shutting down uh, ahead of the launch of ChasingRoos.com. Mascot Brown slash Chasing Roos is going to be a rugby league international jersey website, selling memorabilia, jerseys, etc. Uh, but Mascot Browns is shutting down and they need to move some stock. So guys, in the next couple of weeks, if you could just head to Mascot Browns with a Z, dot com and have a bit of a browse. There's plenty of international jerseys there. Um, there's memorabilia. There's memorabilia from NRL and Super League clubs as well. So just uh, head over there and help Brownie get rid of some stock over the next couple of weeks and then head on over to chasingroos.com when that launches. Thanks, guys.